Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Fuji Love Podcast. This is a show all about the Fujifilm X-Series and GFX cameras and the photographers who love to use them. I'm Mark Sadowski, and this show is, once again, brought to you by Fuji Love Magazine. If you love the Fuji film system as much as I do, then head on over to fujilove.com where you're going to find great articles on your favorite Fujifilm gear, great interviews with photographers, and you're just going to find some great images too. Head on over to fujilove.com and check it out. My guest for this week is Derek Fosbender. He is not only just an amazing street photographer, but he's also a Fujifilm official ex-creator. I had an amazing time talking to him. And you know what? Let's just go right into that interview. Joining me this week is Derek Fosbender. Did I get that right, man? Perfect. Could not. I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> Derek, you may remember him. He was here with Allison Conklin to talk about the new Fujifilm X-Series gear. And we are happy to have him back to talk more about his work. And I got to say right now, man, after our conversation a little while ago, did you buy any of the gear yet or has, has that not been an option yet? I haven't yet. Um, I know everything, when everything comes out, it's pretty much most of the time we have to wait before we can even get our hands on stuff. So yeah. once it's, once we, you know, stuff gets into stock, um, it's a little easier, but yeah, we don't, I, I wish we had a magic button. We could just hit and say, Hey, I want it before anybody else, but no. Now you're an official Fujifilm X creator, right? Yes. Yep. See, I always, I always dream that like when you become a Fujifilm X creator or an X photographer, like there's a special store where they hit a button and door, secret doors open and, and and it's kind of like the Wonka factory where it's like, hey, come on in. This is where you can buy your stuff. <laughs> Everything's in slow motion. There's like smoke that rises out of the ground and it's whatever. It's It just lenses as far as the eye can see. Gene Wilder wow. will sing a song for you. And, there we go. Uh, and, and if you mess up or if you're out of focus, it doesn't work. The, 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 there will be a group of people to sing you out. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be nice. I mean, we could put a word in, right? I, I, you know what? It, it's it, Let's do that. I, I think it's worth it. Uh, Fujifilm should definitely invest some money into that. I mean, you, you could say it's the, the, the room is, it isn't like the, the, the big candy fill thing. It's, it's just done in Velvia tone. There you go. Each section its own film simulation. That makes it more marketable. We'll get Allison on that. You know, Allison's the OG. Maybe she's oh, yeah. we, cool. Oh, maybe she's saying shh, shh no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um as she's sitting in her chair in the next line. <laughs> um so being a Fujifilm creator, uh ex creator. How, what does that entail for for you? How do they approach you for that? And like, what were, what were the unique responsibilities that uh, you had with, with that role? So I was actually I'm, I'm part of the first class of this new branch of X creators. So everything's you know everything's kind of changed. They they changed the program. Everything's a lot more transparent now. Um, I applied like everyone else, and. You know, it, for me, it's it's 
it's it's being aligned with a brand whose gear I love. I believe in their vision. It's funny, you know, we we talk about Allison, and Allison is one of my first people that I met in the Fujifilm family, and everybody yeah. it was just solid vibes. Like every single person, the very first interaction I ever had with Fujifilm was for a uh, leading a photo walk. They were doing a series of photo walks for Photo Plus in 2019. And the the interactions that I had with their team were just incredible. Like everyone was super cool. Everyone was totally motivated. It wasn't, nothing was faked. Nothing was like, oh, hey, you know, we're going to be nice to you. And then whatever, whatever. It was just continued love, continued love, building relationships with them. Um, and once they started to reshape the ex-photographer and ex-creator programs, um, you know, I applied, became an ex-creator. And for me, it's been an opportunity to take what I do learning um, and teaching people what I learn and inspiring others and get it out to a wider platform. It's, it's really and I'm probably going to hurt a lot of people out there who have this like aggrandized vision of being a brand ambassador, but it's, you know, you're, you're still your own force. You still yeah. have to create your own hype. You're your own hype, man. You gotta, you gotta build up your own brand. And one of the great things about Fujifilm is that they encourage that they want you to be your own person. They want to not, they don't want you to be a brand shill. Like a lot of people think brand ambassadors are just a shill for the brand with Fujifilm. It's no, we want you to be your own person. Yes. Obviously, you know, we, we want you to promote the brand in, in a positive light, but we want you to do it with, you know, a genuine intention and not just go out there and say, Hey, anything Fujifilm puts out is great. And you don't, you don't see that, you know, with, uh, with the Fujifilm community, it's like, if a camera comes out and there's something that we don't like, we'll be honest with it you know, with, with them about and say, Hey, you know what? I don't really like the screen on this, this, and, this. and they listen and they take it back. They're yes. like, okay, we're going to, we're going to put that input in. So it's for me, I know that's a very long winded answer, but what it, it, being an ambassador for Fujifilm is probably completely different than what everybody thinks it is, where it's just like, Hey, I get this cool title and everybody looks up to you and I don't ever have to work again. And I just get thrown gear. Um, it's not for the person who's looking for that. You know, it's, it's looking for the person who wants to have it, a platform that is aligned with them to continue to inspire other people. It's very much, we, it's very much that they want to show that whatever creative outlet that you are uh, using it for, whether it's for street photography or your, uh, your, your studio work, uh, we are the gear that can conform to your needs, not you conform to us, uh, exactly. which is something that I have always loved about their mini documentaries that they produce on uh, YouTube. It's something that inspired me when, when they had uh, their first set of like little mini documentaries with uh, um Oh God, the name's escaping me. Uh, they're landscape photographers. Jeez, uh, the, 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 <laughs> yeah, it, it's. I'm not going to play the Jeopardy out. music. Don't worry more. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, like, like it, it's 
the, what the f- important thing was was that they were showing how uh, they were using the gear uh, for for their own work and, and not it, it wasn't so much of uh, you know the other way around where you know hey you know a, a tool to help you with your own creative work I guess that's the Definitely. long story but <laughs> long winded definitely, definitely. Say the obvious your work uh, man it, it is incredible i love your urban Thank landscapes you. you have such a interesting style and color that that is just such a great eye catching visual um before we continue can you let us know where people could find you on the web so that they can follow along looking at your work while listening to this interview. Definitely. My work is uh, on Instagram. It's like a machine. That's L I K E A M A C H E E N. And my website is just like a machine.com. It's, you know, it's funny. I tell people when that, when I stop them all, or, you know, if I stop somebody on the street and they ask what my Instagram handle is, and I have the X Pro Three, and it's completely blacked out. And I got the little red soft release on there. When I tell them like a machine, I'm like, these people probably think I'm saying L E I C A, like a machine. And I'm like, it's probably yeah. a, you know, there's probably so many people out there that tried to look me up and, and get the picture that I took of them, and they couldn't find it because they're looking up like a. But yes, it's L I K E A M A C H E E N, like a machine. Nice, and uh, everybody should check it out save it subscribe awesome work um thank you mark thank you. so what uh your current use of gear like what are you using right now that that uh that you use for your for your work i use x pro 3 x pro 3 is my favorite camera I have mm-hmm. ever used favorite digital camera I've ever used easily. Um, that's that's my workhorse. Although I do use the XT4 a lot. Um, I stream yeah. with the XT4. Uh, I'm in Boston right now for the weekend. I actually left the X Pro Three and brought the XT4. Um, nice. And it was for the. I know I'm going to be shooting a lot at night. I do like the added benefit of the IBIS uh, and lens wise. I am a hardcore 35 millimeter person. So the 23F2 is my go-to. The 23F2, whatever camera I'm using, it's going with me. Uh, I I do like the 50F1. That's If I bring any two lenses with me, it's those two, the 23F2 and the 50F1. That's a great combination. Uh, One that... So... How the F one is is still a relatively new camera. How do you use that in your street photography? Like, is that more for uh, portraits outside, or uh, that that's mm-hmm. a unique one uh, for mm-hmm. for for what I understand street photography to be anyway? You know, I I actually like the impression of it. It's mm-hmm. it's not quite like in using like a portrait lens, like an eighty five equivalent yeah you know so so like the 56 you, you get and i know it's not that much of a difference between the 56 and the 50 as far as focal range is concerned but every little bit helps as far as getting a little more of the frame um you know a little more of the scene in the frame 
I, I'm not a big 50 millimeter shoot. I never, I never was a 50, uh, nifty 50 guy. I know everybody they're coming up. It was always like, Oh, the nifty 50 grab it. You know, 50 millimeter lens never was a big 50 person. So the third, I have the 35 F2, but I don't use it as much. Yeah. So the 50 is a good opportunity for me to get more compression than a 35, you know, 35 equivalent without yep. going so far that a lot of the time I'm in tight spaces. So I can't get too, too long on the telephoto and for a lot of what I do. Now, I've never, I know there's like, everyone says 28, you know, 35, 24 even, or 50, anywhere from 24 to 50 is where a lot of people, uh, you know, pinpoint street photography at. But man, I took out that 70 to 300, like we talked about last time. And I was shooting at night, 70 to 300 in the street. Yeah. And it's just a matter of how you do it. Compression can be a beautiful thing on the street if you frame your 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 shots right. So it's not all about the portraits. I do like the portraits with it, but most of what I shoot with the 50 F1 on the street is just street scenes. It's just at a more compressed uh, frame. So when when you are out on the streets, like I see a nice combination of daytime, nighttime what is it about like how do you how do you get yourself into the mood to go out to photograph do you have something in mind i i know looking at your photos there there are some there's got to be pre-planning going on i i know that i'll use this one example uh you have one photo where you have this mural in the background that looks like it's ready to pinch somebody and then mm-hmm. you have a person walking at the frame and you nail that shot where the person is right between the fingers looking like they're they're, they're caught by by the mural what ha, ha, what what's your mindset do you go in with a, a plan set and you're trying to uh get something similar to what's in your mind or are you kind of letting the the outside shape you i totally wing it man (laughs) every time i go out it is i when i when i'm in the streets i like to get just lost in my head and if i feel Mm -hmm. something pulling me up this block i'm gonna go up that block and sometimes i'll head out and i want to go in one neighborhood and i'm on my way down there and i'm just like you know what let me just jump off the train here you know i'll jump off the subway at a random stop and just walk and i kind of just I'm all over the place. And I it's funny because I've always looked at photographers who were so curated in what they shoot. And I always loved that. You know, it's like this person, all black and white. It's very, you know, moody. Um, you know, this person is all hard contrast and very linear compositions. And you have people who have, are known for certain styles. And I've always been all over the place. And I'm sure you've seen this in my work where one picture is one style, the next picture is another style. I'm I'm all over the place. And it's, that's, that's the way I, I shoot. I can't limit myself to one thing. Some things are meant to be seen in color. Some things I look at them and I'm like, that's a black and white shot. And so I can't, I can't put a label on anything. I never really go out saying, I'm going to take pictures of this today. 
at the very best, I might have an area in mind that I want to go to, but yeah. I never really draw it up because I kind of just like, I like the random nature of it. I like where I'm just, I don't know what I'm going to get. And I think that's the fun and the beauty of street photography is the challenge. You know, when you shoot in studio, it's boring to me. Everything's controlled. You have to do all the yep. work. I like being on my toes and, and having to be aware constantly because my shot could come up in a split second. And if I'm not ready, I'll miss it. Yes. And how do you, how do you handle that? Because there's with, with that kind of randomness, there, there's gotta be a level of patience needed because I mean, just, just being a, a wedding photographer myself, uh, not to compare the two, because the two, uh, while sharing similarities, are very night and day in other respects. But mm-hmm. what I understand is the frustration of missing a shot. Uh, I could only imagine that with street photography, that because there are so many uh, uh random variables like with a with, with a wedding i i can know ahead of time just by the sheer number of weddings that i've done i got an idea of what's going to happen next but with street photography you don't you have a lot of randomness how how is it that you could prepare for that kind of uh chaotic nature like uh, what do you think your percentages of like missed shots to 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 like the i i nailed it um, and I, how do you deal with like that kind of, cause that would be really frustrating for me. Um, you would think it, you would think, right. See, all right, you, you, you hit the nail on the head with a wedding. There's a whole lot more riding on that shot that you in your yeah. head that you say, I have to get. But when you're shooting for yourself, if I said, Mark, just go out around your neighborhood, man, take pictures of of whatever. And I want you to come home with the home run shot. If you don't get that home run shot, what's the worst thing that happens? Nothing. You're like, ah, or you see the perfect shot and you're like, oh man, I thought I, I almost had it and whatever. Something, you know, you know what happens with me a lot? I forecast a shot. So I talk about forecasting a lot. I try to put myself in the best position to see a shot develop. Mm -hmm. And if I see somebody walking down the street and I see the perfect light and they're heading towards the light, you know, I, I have to think instantly, what is my composition going to be? What is my light going to be? And in learning from experience, how am I going to set my up? Is this, is, is this somebody who, if I set up too early and give it away, they're going to see that I am taking a picture and either in trying to be polite or trying to avoid being in my photo, they're going to walk across the street or walk behind me. So all this stuff is playing into my head. Now I can do everything right. Set perfect composition, get my exposure down and wait right for the perfect moment. And as that person walks into that perfect light, a guy is walking his dog and they, stop right in front of me and just completely screw my shot up <laughs> and it's it happens all the time all the time yeah. and you you live with it you know it's i 
there's there's very you know there's times when i try to get creative with motion and i'll try to pan a shot and i'm like and it'll be this it's usually in new york is a really interesting person riding by on a bike and you're like oh my god this is gonna make the perfect photo and i'm like but i, I want to go for it I, i'm wanted i'm swinging for the fences it's a three and oh count i'm swinging through the take sign trying to hit a home run and you know how panning is you could be in you could be have been panning for 20 years and it's still unless you're on a tripod it's pretty much a crap shoot whether you're gonna hit because they could be moving all over the place there's so many just mitigating factors there's yeah. so many times where i blow the pan and then i'm like damn it i should have just <laughs> taken a shot at least i would have had the person but then it would be a boring shot so it's like yeah you gotta swing big man you're always you're always gonna have that next shot that's gonna be even better so that's how that's how I look at it is I never look at it as missed opportunities. I look at it as what did I do wrong here? What did I yeah. and I, I know that sounds so cliche. Everybody listening right now is like, get the get the bag out, puke in it. I know, so cliche. <laughs> but it really is true. You gotta look at those opportunities like swing for the fences, don't be safe. You know? Nobody wants a a you know, a boring shot that okay, wow, you got it. Good job. Go for the risk. Oh, absolutely. That's and by the way, everybody gets sick when I stutter uh, on, on the podcast. And that, that, <laughs> I hold that exclusive. In fact, we will probably have Fuji Love uh, barf bags. Copyright that. We, copyright, yeah, copyright that. that. Well, might as well profit off of that. <laughs> um, but when I get excited, I stutter, and it's we have a lot of exciting guests. So, uh, it's a plus for you guys. Kind of a near sore for everybody else, <laughs> but uh, you. So with that, how how did you, how did you train yourself to, with that kind of with that kind of mindset? Because what you described is is something that I do similarly similarly for for my work, and I knew that took like just years of training. Uh, to kind of get yourself comfortable with that. You're doing a lot of calculations in, in your head to, to get to that point. Like how, when, when did you start street photography and how, how did, how did you progress through that? Because that's, that's a lot of dedication. And, and I, I know early on that must've been a lot more fails than successes. So like wh where, where did this passion for street photography come from? A long time ago, that's where the passion came from. Um, New York in the 80s, man, was wild. Like, yes. <laughs> it was just like, dude, it's like, ah, it's like everything was photogenic. Everything, it was a movie. Like, I look at New York now and I'm like, it's a movie. New York back then was like, it was just, it was another place. Yeah, and, there, there would be different ratings for those movies. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. That, that's the old, remember the old NC-17? It's like... Yeah, we'd be, we'd we'd be bringing NC oh, Times Square. Down. Okay, yes. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Times Square was like Times Square was New York. How they portray New York in the movies, where you're like, ah, oh, everything's hammed up for the movies. It's like, no, that's how New York really was in Times Square back then, with the guys yeah. like holding, opening up the jacket, and they got like the jewelry and the watches in there, and playing three card Monty on the milk crates, and you, the cops come around the corner and they flip over the milk crates and take off running. Like, yeah, I remember all that. And I've always, my mother was a big graffiti person, so 
Really? Having a mother. Oh yeah, my mother loves graffiti. She's always been a huge. She's nice. always been into hip hop culture, and obviously New York is the birthplace of hip hop. So it's the culture's all over. So graffiti, um, it just the entire urban environment has always been in my blood. So my inspiration for street photography has been since I was little. And looking back as I've gotten older, looking back at photographers like Richard Sandler, um, you know, and, and obviously all the street, you got all the greats. I can't, I'm not even going to sit here and, and name what we all know who they are. Um, Richard Sandler is far and above my, my favorite street photographer. I'm, I'm the most inspired by his work and his approach to the streets. And that's where I take a lot of my, my subconscious, um, inspiration from. And I say subconscious inspiration because I don't, I don't really get myself over involved with other people's work. I believe yeah. that, you know, if, if I, I know people that they have every, everybody's photo books and they're constantly studying the work of others. And it's, look, it's my personal opinion. Nobody else has to share this opinion, but the more I look at other people's work, it's subconsciously getting into my own mind about my idea. Like I want as pure an approach as possible. I want to see what I want to see. It, it's great to take bits and pieces from here and there. And you can't help but be inspired by everything you see. But I don't like to be overly inspired, if that makes any sense. That makes perfect sense. In fact, you see it through other creators as well like you'll know that authors will not read other people's work uh for for that reason uh alone uh, uh that and legal reasons but uh no i that that makes complete sense it's it's not out of disrespect it's out of mm-hmm. uh just wanting to have your own experiences so yeah that works yeah, I mean, it's. I, I want to keep things pure. I want it to be me. I don't want people to look at my work and see someone else's work. I mean, it's always yeah. going to be a reference. No one's, no one's out there doing their something that no one else has done. But I don't want that to be the first thing is people to see my work and they. You know, I I don't mind when I hear, oh, your work reminds me of this person. You know, yes. Uh, I don't want it to be like, oh my god, this guy's a carbon copy of this person. Yeah, <laughs> that's the part. <laughs> Spitting image. That's what'll get you. Um. So I, th- I'm, I'm intrigued. Like your early, early stuff. How, how did you get into photography? Oh um, yes. See, see, look at this. I'm, I'm so like off track. You gotta keep reining me in. I'm like, here I am talking. And no, I'm back it's in the 80s. Back in the 80s at Times Square peep shows, and Mark's just trying to learn how I got into photography. So, I got my first, <laughs> my first uh, cameras at age eight. I got an old 110 film camera. Oh, uh, true. Hot That's pink, cool. hot pink Kodak pizzazz, baby. It looked like a Barbie camera. Um, Damn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I need to bring it back. I'm gonna start hitting the streets with that again. And what? I That's got a. Uh, Do they still make the film? I don't even. I I have not seen one ten anywhere. I don't even know. I, that'll be my. I don't know, I'll have to find that. I'm sure there's. You know, there's some hipster out there that maybe I'll go to Brooklyn. And to all people from Brooklyn hipster, I'm sorry if you're offended, but that's the place to go. You want the, <laughs> the film hipsters? There's a hipster out out there right now shooting one ten film. Um. So yeah, you're I had, in Boston I, right now. So I'm in, what you want to do is hit up 
uh, Bromfield Camera. They're they're the oldest camera shop in Boston, I think. Oh, uh, nice! And, I'll have to check them out. If anybody knows or has it, it's that camera store. I'm looking them up. I'm looking them up. We have to check it out. I gotta find if one ten. There's probably some like Flickr community out there, people that only shoot one ten film. Yeah, we'll have to see. <laughs> so yes, eight years it. old. Shooting film uh, at that, and I actually had a Fuji 35 millimeter camera that I got. Got both of them for my eighth birthday. And you know what really inspired me is my mother's four by six photos, boxes and boxes and boxes and albums of them. Yeah. Um, and, and just it's regular moments, man. And that has been the biggest inspiration is for my photography as a whole. Because I focused on menial moments, the moments it's like, you know, Cartier-Bresson talks about the decisive moment. I like capturing the indecisive moments. Everybody wants the home run. Everybody wants the cover shot. I want the picture that's just a regular moment because, you know, it's you and your friends hanging out. And that's how I started taking pictures was I was always the guy that brought a camera around and we're just hanging out in a dorm room and I'm taking pictures. We're go out to a diner. We're taking, you know, I'm taking pictures. And those yeah. are the pictures now that like 20 years later, you know, you're posting pictures in a group chat and everyone's laughing. Oh, remember that night? This was the night that da, 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 da. And you'd be surprised what a simple picture that says absolutely nothing can, the memories it can bring back. But it's and, a slice of life. And that yeah. is, what we that that is what we are drawn to late uh, in in our later years totally it's nostalgia man it's it's remembering the moments like you're always going to remember those big moments i'm sure if i asked you for five big moments from before the age of 20 it would be no problem but then if i ask you what were you doing on march 11th in 1987 you're going to you know, but then you can find a box of four by six prints. And if you're, you, you got them like how my mother has, I mean, there's the date written on the back of all of them. Now I know like, all right, March 23rd in 1987, this is what we were doing. This is who was there. It's just cool for me to look back at. And I, and I always encourage people to, you know, we've been inundated with Instagram and likes and comments and nobody's going to like this. And why am I going to take a picture? Digital's free. There's no yeah. money with digital. Take the picture. Remember it. You 20 years from now, your family 20 years from now, your friends 20 years from now will thank you for taking that picture. And that's yeah. what inspires me. So, I, man, I, I'm really – so your mom, what, what was her profession? Like was she a photographer or was – did she my, just have passion for it? No, my mother's profession was a mother. I'm one of eight kids, so all she did was make them and raise them. <laughs> That's <laughs> it. <laughs> so That's she, my job, right there. That's it. Was, yeah, it was more than a full time job, and she, we kept her. Man, oh God, we were bad. You know, we kept her hands full. So she, she was always documenting everything. Although I will say this, I love my mother to death, but it, it's become the joke of the family that it would always be like a birthday or Christmas or something. And my mom never had batteries. 
So it was like, for all you all you youngsters out there, yeah, we used to have to buy batteries. You couldn't just plug something in with the two USB-C. So my mom never had batteries. She would pull it up and be like, oh, shoot. Ah, oh, no batteries. She'd have to borrow like my grandmother's camera. That I remember those. Yeah, yeah. we didn't have rechargeable back then. <laughs> uh, how did we live? Ah oh, man, that's why the Energizer Bunny was so pro- prolific in our life back then. <laughs> oh yeah, they had the batteries where you could squeeze on both ends, and that's how you had to tell what your battery life was. Oh man, those. Uh, yeah, those, those, those were the days. Although I think that's Duracell, isn't it? I think they both came out with it. They, probably, oh. probably once the patent was up. Yeah. <laughs> It wasn't fun. You couldn't you couldn't just plug your camera in overnight and you knew in the morning it's like, all right, I'm good to go for the whole day. Yeah, it was just a series of double A batteries or those little tiny miniature double A batteries, whatever oh, yeah. the eights or whatever they're called. Triple A's triple A's, oh my god, those were just annoying. Yeah. Uh, oh no, oh I know what you're talking. Yeah, it looked like a double it looked like a double A chopped in half. Like the seat. Yeah, it's kind of like a little fatty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, definitely. Man, we're old. I know my Mamiya had something like that. Yeah, and and you when you needed one, you couldn't find it. You had to find the one drugstore that has like every hearing aid battery and every obscure battery known to man. Yes, or go to Radio Shack. Oh, God, I don't know Radio if you Shack. had that in New York. Yeah, we, that's prolific Radio. around here. Wow. It's like nostalgia, yeah. man. You're dating myself there. <laughs> <laughs> I, hey, I want to know what I was doing in 1987 in March. <laughs> now you got to find out. You got to find out. I got to find out. Like, the truth be told, that, that I think I was in New Jersey at the time. But I was, uh, I was in New Jersey, too. I think I, was, I, had, I, I grew up right outside of the city, so. Yeah. I we have we, owned. Oh, all right. Maybe we were in line at Radio Shack together buying the stubby half double A batteries. Or maybe oh, I was picking up some 110 film and you were buying stubby batteries. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's going to be a nickname for me now. <laughs> man, I took us off the rails. Sorry, everybody. Everybody, this this is you know this is me in a nutshell. Don't even look at my work. Don't look at my photography. Just listen to me. I'm I'm a complete. I'm all over the place. I'm like a I'm bag of nuts. I've you know it, I've heard so much about 110 film in the past few months that I I, I honestly think I'm going to be right with you and trying to find it myself because uh, we're going to bring it back. It's uh, it's got. I mean, I I haven't heard too. I haven't heard too much about like in, in volume. So there's got to be a couple people, but we might be able to bring it back. Let's make a one ten movement. Yes, I'm down for that. Uh, of that, course, the one ten film would have to be Fujifilm. Of course. course. Yes. <laughs> Brand plug. Uh, Provia one ten film that or, or or Velvia. Oh man, that'd be that would oh, be. Yeah. Now we are off the rails. <laughs> I gotta get some. I, if they can get me some superior sixteen hundred one ten film, I'd be a happy, happy camper. Jeez, that would be nice. 
All right, we 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 are definitely we're we're like we're on another planet right now. <laughs> Even Kodak people are like, "What the hell?" Yeah, who? What? Who are these guys? <laughs> Someone's um, listening to this right now. Like, I don't know why I'm still listening. Why I'm here? I'm, I'm weirdly intrigued at where this conversation is going. <laughs> It's uh, you know what, me too. Uh, so let's <laughs> let, let's see it. Um, so back then, uh, y- your mom was uh, an influence uh, on uh, your artistic future. Uh, tell me more about like what else you did as far as uh, art goes, because it looks like you had a lot of influence between uh, the. The, the urban culture, the the graffiti art that you were not, it was not looked upon as a, a as a bad thing. And, and back in the eighties, it was very easy to to shun that kind of work and not see the artistic merit behind it. And you were brought up in in an environment that welcomed it rather than rejected it. So how did that influence you? And like, what what else were you doing in that time uh to to bring you to the place that you are now yeah well totally facilitated my not only acceptance of it but love of it i mean it's the colors the shapes uh you know my my whole family my family is very artistic uh probably half i mean like i said i'm one of eight kids so yeah. Nah, there, there it was a mixed bag with everything, but there's a lot of art in there. My mother studied like fashion and textiles in college. My sister was a, an amazing um, artist and I used to draw. So I actually, I've gotten into it recently when I don't feel like editing photos. That's like my go-to when it's two o'clock in the morning and I should be working on my book. I'm on there on my Wacom tablet, drawing caricatures of myself. And so that's, initially where you know I, I got my artistic feels and I didn't start really shooting street until 2008 mm-hmm. and my early stuff was you know you're feeling it out you're finding your voice on the street you don't know you know because I didn't study it because I wasn't you know super 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 into looking at other people's work you know, I, I looked at stuff, but I, like I said, I didn't really study anything. So I had, I was finding yeah. my own way and it takes a long time. You make a lot of mistakes. My big mistake early on was technical stuff and it was over-processing. My early photos, it looked like a pack of highlighters exploded. It was just horrible. And I went through all the, the ugly trends that everybody goes through and that become popular. And then you jump on them and you look back and you're like, what the hell was I thinking? So <laughs> it took me a long time to find my voice. And my, I, I found my voice in, in my literal voice. My personality is what drove my photography to what it is today. It was interacting with people. I've always been the type to get along with people. I always yeah. like initiating conversation. I love when people talk to me. To this day, the greatest thing that happens to me on the street is somebody approaches me asks me about my camera, asks me what I'm taking photos of. That right there is an invitation to talk to them, to take their photo, to get to know their story. I, yeah. So I love that. You know, For me, it's that's the culmination of 
all the years of going through those rough stages, you know, it's, it's putting the pieces together, Mark. It's all these pieces from looking at my mother's old photos, the piece of the, the inconsequential in-between moments in our lives, the figuring out how to process photos, figuring out my composition, figuring out my, my voice as an, an artist and what I really loved and learning how to tie it all together. And that's really been the beautiful part about the process is, is the mistakes along the way and the realizations about what does motivate you. Because for years you go along and you take pictures without really knowing what your motivation is for a lot yeah. of us. You know, we, we take pictures and what happens? You know, we start doing it for money. Some people earlier than they're ready to. So it's it's almost like, you know, dating somebody and marrying somebody before you're, you know yourself as a person. You know, some yeah. people jump into a relationship. They're in a long-term relationship. They break up. They get in another long-term relationship. And now they've gone their whole life and they don't even know who they are as a person because they've always been part of an equation. And I look at photography the same way where a lot of people they start with a job and, and a little gig here and there, and they're taking pictures of people's babies and, you know, pregnancy shoots, engagements, weddings, all this stuff. And they do all this stuff for other people and they don't find what truly motivates them because they don't have the time or the want, or they just don't know. And for me, it's yeah. been a process of finding what really motivates me. And it's been something that only within the last couple of years has really been solidified where I look back and I'm like, you know, I had to have that honest conversation. Like, what the hell am I doing with my work? What's the direction? Am I just going to keep taking pictures like this my whole life without knowing the why? And I looked into it and I'm like, what really is it about photos that gravitates me to look at them? And it was looking back at years of images and finding the the happy moments, the moments that were more reflective, the moments that, you know, even just looking at an entire collection of images and being able to deduce what kind of mood I was in that day, how I was seeing things is interesting to me. Yeah. That's, that's a great way to look at it. Like your own work reflects your, yourself that, I mean, in, in, in a very true sense that's that's true of every artist but you don't really think of that much with uh photography and i gotta say when you mentioned that i'm looking through your work and that makes sense because you have this vibrancy to your photos where you just take in that 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 the, the colors of the environment like they they are just they're like spotlights and the people are front and center whether it's in a portrait or a candid moment it is just such a celebration of people and you know with people hamming it up for the camera or or uh just regular poses it is all there to show them but you know in, in in a in a way to show off yourself as well totally i mean it's it's everybody has their own there's always a purpose there 
And luckily yeah. I don't have the, I don't have to sift through. I, I learned very early on that I don't want to take pictures for other people. It was always yeah. about doing what I wanted to, not in like a, I want to do what I want to do kind of way. It was because I wanted to create pictures and moments that helped me. And my mental health has always played a huge role in my photography because I've had mental health issues for a long time. And my photography has been my escape from that. And that's actually, you know, moving into what I do with my photography now. That's a huge thing because mental health is a big problem with people. And I've developed so many connections with people who have the same issues and find the same solace behind a camera and are able to reach out to me because I've put that out there to people that, Hey, this is, you know, my struggle too. Yes. And it's, I, I, I treat it with, by going out in the streets and it just takes me away. It puts me in another zone. So yeah, it's, it's all back to your why and finding my why has been the absolute biggest breakthrough in my work. I feel like everything I go out and I take pictures now it's like having everything all figured out. It's like being in the matrix. Like once Neo realizes who he is in the matrix, everything is just like second nature. Like you don't even have to do anything. Yes. I go out and I raise my camera and, and not to say that I am batting a thousand with my images because it just doesn't work that way. But I have a lot more clarity and intent when I shoot. To think of what, uh, what, what uh, Morpheus would say in a situation like that, when you realize it, you realize you don't have to, you don't have to take a hundred percent. It's it, it, the process it's in and of itself becomes the reward. Um, totally. And that's, that's my Lawrence Fishburne impression. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> that's a bonus. Everybody, you guys just got bonus. <laughs> Did they? <laughs> yeah, totally. totally. Uh, you, you know what? I would love to bring you back on the show. Uh, just, uh, on the topic of uh, mental health, because I think that and photography definitely go hand in hand uh, as uh, photography as a means of treating uh, the, the the mental uh, aspect, uh, and it's it's so very uh, varying to, with everybody in severity and uh, uh, and how it's helped them. Um, because one, I I feel your pain. I, I suffered depression uh, a long time ago too, and uh, but yeah, I mean that's we we that's that a, would be a whole other. Show. That's a heavy. That's a heavy show. Yeah. Yes, and, that's and, like uh, a no a whole topic unto itself. Totally. Um. So. We're at time right now, but um, I want everybody to know what you're doing now. Um, do you offer workshops to, to, to folks learning street photography? What, how can people see more of your work and learn more uh, for, uh, for themselves? I'm kind of reshaping everything. Uh, yeah. Now that you, you talk about it, you know, I... I this is my thing. I, I would imagine it's changed. It's made it, yeah, it's made it difficult. And so I, I did street photography workshops 
a couple years back. And what I found is that people wanted people wanted to take the easy way out. They yeah. and it was just like a disingenuous approach. And I'm super passionate about my work in the streets. And I found that I'd get a lot of people who were like, okay. I'm going to take your workshop. I want to go to the bad areas that I would never go by myself and just take pictures. And it became yep. like a, like a zoo, like going to, going to the zoo to take pictures of the animals, right? You, you don't want to go to Africa on a safari and really be out there with in the wild with these wild animals, but you want to go to the zoo where it's safe and have your, your guide. And it was like, that's and, and that's the way I had it described to me by a guy who I had stopped to talk to on the street one time and I was out there with a group and that's how he he's felt. It was on 125th yeah. Street in Harlem. And he's like, man, they run tour buses out here. And and that's that's why I borrowed his line whenever I try to explain to people because it tells it perfectly. He said, he's like, man, it's like we're animals out here in the zoo. And people want to come in here to come to the zoo to take pictures of the animals. And I'm like, man, you hit the nail on the head. Like, that's exactly what it feels like to me. And I was telling him, that even while I was taking people on these workshops, I just didn't feel right. Something just didn't sit right with me. So yeah. that all being said, you know, it's it's very sacred to me. If, you know, you need you need to have your your experience to be genuine. Yep. So if I have people like one, two, three of my friends, we got shooting in the streets. Once I take money and it's big groups and it's like, it, it just doesn't, I'm not really a business type. I'm not, I'm not motivated by money. I, I like to do for love of what I do. I have such a passion for photography, such a passion for documenting big groups. I'm not a big group type. Um, yeah. I'm very genuine. You know, I, all the time people are like, Hey, I love your work. I've been following your work for a while. When I'm in New York, let's grab coffee and hit the streets. Cool. I love that. Totally with it. I want to find a way to get my approach out there. I want to inspire people. I don't like teaching people. I like inspiring people. I don't want to tell you how to do anything. I want you, I want to help you find yourself. I want to help you find your work. I want to help you get through that tough moment in your life. I want to help you tell your story, all of that. And I say that with 100% honesty. I'm not just some showman that just wants to talk a good game. I want you to have the same feeling that I have when I go out there with the camera. And there's no amount of money. There's no amount of big groups. There's no selling out this or no convention workshop that. And I'm working on finding a way to get it out there to the masses in whatever way it's meant to be. I know that sounds very yeah. vague because I really don't have an idea right now. I'm, I'm plugging and plugging and plugging at it, but I know what I want to do. And I know I don't want to sell out the entire street culture. I don't want to sell out neighborhoods. I don't want to sell out just the art of doing it, but I want to continue. But to it inspire. makes sense. Because what you, what you're saying is, it's kind of like uh, along the same lines of teaching someone to fish rather than, uh, you know, fishing for rather them. than handing uh, them a fish. Yeah, it's you're, you're because what you might do while 
showing them their passion is directing them in a completely different path. And your, your outcome is the same. They discover their passion, but it might be for food photography or, or, or architecture is something completely mm-hmm. different. Uh, but the lessons still just as valid. Uh, so I get what you're going for. And that is a very ambitious project to, to which I say, good luck, sir. But, <laughs> but with your passion and, and just how earnestly you talk about this, I have no doubt in my mind that you will find a way to, to be able to do this. Um, you have me convinced. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to stop until I figure out how. I just think there's there's too much out there, Mark. Like there's yeah there's in, we're inundated with people who and all right I'm gonna try to I'm gonna I'm gonna say this very shortly so I don't go off on my normal circular tangent with all these apps with now it's a clubhouse everybody just wants to hear themselves talk. And it's all about me, 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 me. Come listen to me. Come look at my work. And I don't want to be just another voice in a in a sea of voices. You know, it would be yes. like it, it would be like Mark if you had your podcast and you invited people on and just talked over them and talked for ninety percent of the time. And it's like because there's people that do that. You know, there's people that they oh I'm going to bring you in because I want to bring your audience in. <laughs> And, but guess yeah. what? They're just going to hear me talk. I, I'm not about myself at all. I don't need, I don't need any spotlight. I don't need any promotion. I don't need any of uh, any clout. I get, you know, my satisfaction in knowing that hey, there's a guy across the pond, you know, across the world, who was super depressed and. By me, you know, talking to this guy and, and and looking at his pictures every once in a while and giving him motivation and maybe giving him encouraging words when he didn't feel like going out and taking a picture, he could have turned his life around. You know, he could look at yeah. life with a different perspective. I'm a big perspective guy. I think perspective is everything. So there's enough voices out there that want to push you. And, and, and all it really does is it's all just saying, follow me. Come, come look at my stuff come pad my numbers, come put money in my pocket. I'd rather see a bunch of people out there who are creating work that they feel good about, people who are inspired, people who get that benefit from that. And damn it, I am not going to stop until I get there. I'm going to find the way to do it my way. And it might be 10 years from now, but it's going to happen. It's all good. I'm very happy that I got that. uh, Where can people find you on the web at the start of the show instead of at the end? (laughs) imagine (laughs) (laughs) because that usually is my the the last thing i talk about but uh i had the foresight yeah thank you past mark for (laughs) (laughs) um guys i'm gonna try to get mark to do a cliff's notes version of this we're gonna do like the condensed (laughs) version it's just gonna give you the three the three things that i said in this how long has it been? Hour, hour and a half? Who knows where we're at right now? It could be Wednesday for all I know. <laughs> uh, dude, I am not cutting this. Uh, the, the 110 stays. <laughs> there <laughs> so, we go. <laughs> uh, it's all good. But, um, man, I would love to bring you back on the show to 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 talk more about 
just street art and uh just anything else man i have an awesome time chatting with you man i had a great time last time with allison i i had an amazing time this week and we'll bring you back on the show uh if for nothing else just to kick back and, and share 110 stories because i'm sure you have some i have a few myself <laughs> and uh we'll uh we'll we'll we'll, we'll find some film someday <laughs> let's make it happen no, right it's on. always good but, chopping it up with you man always good and for everybody out there listening it's like this is an extension of before we went live and with allison it was like after we finished recording it's like mark is just a solid dude you're, you're dangerous for people like me because <laughs> i just keep going and going and going so no but huge thank you for having me back on listening man I, I love stories. Uh, I love origin stories. I love just listening to, to, to people chat. So, uh, dude, it, it's all good. Um, uh, like, uh, like if this were my own show, then, uh, I would probably, they, they would probably be two hours long and, and, and then some, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah. So awesome having you on the show, e- even though we kind of teased it. Do remind people where they can find you on the web. Yeah. They <laughs> check you out. I'll make it quick. L-I-K-E-A-M-A-C-H-E-E-N. Google Like a Machine. Google Derek Fosbender. It'll pull up both. You'll find me everywhere. God, I love that URL. That's so awesome. <laughs> awesome, Derek. Uh, pleasure having you on the show this week. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk again soon. Sounds good. Thank you so much again, Mark.